welcome to episode 41 of Dream Theater Radio. I am, of course, am Thelmo, if you don't remember from the other 40 episodes. Um, how's everybody doing today? Um, down here in southeastern America, it's been a crazy couple of weeks. We had Hurricane Harvey hit Texas um, a little while ago, and right now we are preparing for a hurricane ourselves in Florida with uh, Hurricane Irma. So a little... Uh, tense the last few days you know a lot of uh, crazy things going on but um the spirit carries on right <laughs> so anyways um let's get right into this episode we are um doing an interview episode today with a gentleman that i met named olaf anderson from norway um he's been a longtime dream theater fan and a new fan to the podcast here and he uh, reached out wanted to be on the show and we definitely um, brought him on and um, he had some really good insight. He's a longtime musician, so we definitely had some good insight as far as the musicality, maybe a little more in depth than most fans of Dream Theater, which um, I think you guys are going to really love. Uh, before we get to Olaf's interview, let's uh, really quickly go over some DT news. Um, not a whole lot going on. A couple things I wanted to mention. One, um, John Petrucci's Guitar Universe boot camp thing was just a couple of weeks ago. Um, and from everything I saw online and in pictures and everything else, it looked like it was a fantastic event. Um, looks like everyone was having a lot of fun there and, uh, you know, some people got some cool prizes and they got to eat some, some barbecue that John made hand personally for them, which has got to be terrific. Um, that's the Holy grail piece of meat, you know, (laughs) but yeah, that went well. And then, um, Besides that, a little negative news on the Dream Theater camp. Um, I guess a, lo- a few of the venues that they had booked for the Images and Words tour here in the U.S. got a little uh, messed up for various different reasons. And some shows had to be canceled and a lot of people who had bought tickets were very upset. So it seems like they got most of that all ironed out now. And I think they you know, booked a show in most of those areas fairly close to where the original was so hopefully most people who bought tickets originally are going to get to go for the second one but just a little snafu and then uh john did put up a little message on facebook you know apologizing and that they were going to put systems in place to make sure something like this never happened again so good news on that front as well but yeah i just wanted to throw that out there no biggie you know We'll uh, be rocking out soon enough. So anyway, that's it for news at the moment. Let's jump right into Mr. Olav's interview. Check it out. All right, everybody. So on today's show, we have Mr. Olaf Anderson from Norway. How you doing, Olaf? Hello, Selmo. I'm doing very good. Thanks. Awesome, man. How are you doing? I'm doing really good, man. It's uh, very nice to meet you, sir. You too. So, uh, before we get into the Six Degrees questions, why don't you just tell all our listeners a little bit about yourself? Yes, uh, my name is uh, is Olav, and uh, I'm 36 years old, and I uh, live on the west coast of Norway, on an island just outside uh, the city of Bergen, which is uh, the second largest city in Norway. And I've... uh, been a Dream Theater fan for about 16 years, and uh, I'm also a musician. I play the guitar, and I think as most guitar-playing Dream Theater fans, I'm also envious. (laughs) Ain't that the truth? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, John Petrucci has a way of making you feel 
very inferior as a guitar player for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh well. All right, cool, man. Anything else uh, you'd like people to know before we get started? Um. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I don't have any kids, but uh, I have a girlfriend. We've been together for about four months. Cool. Yeah. That's awesome. All right, man. Let's jump right into this. I'm, um, I'm sure you've heard the six degrees questions before. Um, it's basically yes. six questions I ask everyone to try to get like a general baseline of where you stand as a Dream Theater fan. So let's get right into it, sir. Um, yes. So, Olaf, question number one. Uh, what is your favorite Dream Theater album and why? My favorite uh, Dream Theater album is Train of Thought. And the reason why I've been thinking a lot about this, and I've been back and forth between some different albums, but I ended on Train of Thought because, uh, first of all, I'm a metal guy. And um, second of all, I was thinking... Um, if I wanted to uh, to make uh, a list of Dream Theater songs that I would want other people to listen to, uh, which songs would I want them to hear? Mm -hmm. And which songs would I skip from an album? And uh, for Train of Thought, there's only one song I would skip, and that's uh, Vacant. Yeah, I don't even consider Vacant really a song. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I think the six other songs are awesome. Yeah. No, I... And, and, and for, um, for most of um, the other albums, they are, I think maybe there are five songs off of um, Scenes and five off of Octavarium. Um, but... Uh, Train of Thought is the only album uh, with uh, six songs that I would want other people to hear. Okay, interesting. I definitely want to ask you about Octavarium because that's an interesting one too. So awesome. Yeah. I mean, that, that was a really good, uh, you know, good detailed answer. Thank you. Um, question number two, uh, if you have one, what is your favorite live album or DVD of Dream Theaters? I've been thinking a lot about this one too. And... Um, my favorite live is uh, Live at Budokan. And the reason why is um, mainly because of the things they do with certain songs. I mean, um, Beyond This Life, Hollow Years, and uh, the outro solo in In the Name of God. It's just awesome. So that's the main reason. But there's also another reason, and that is um, it it was a tie between Live at Budokan and Score. Okay. But the mix at the CD uh, of Score is uh, very strange uh, because uh, <coughs> okay to to make uh, to to make a long story short, uh, I walk in a warehouse. And I'm a forklift driver, and we are allowed to listen to music at work, but we are only allowed to um, to have um, 
uh, one earplug. And score has a very strange mix because when I'm using my right earplug, I can basically only hear drums and guitar. Hmm. So they pan um, all the vocals and everything over yeah, to the other side? Yeah, yeah. Uh, vocals and keyboard and bass is mainly panned to the left, and that uh, <laughs> so so that's uh, my reason for um, for choosing Live at Budokan yeah. as my favorite. But um, it's only for the CD because if you listen to score uh, on uh, Spotify, then uh, you have uh, have it all in uh, in both uh, both sides. So they remixed it for the. Um, I, I, I think maybe they, they remixed it for uh, for Spotify. Yes. Wow, I didn't know that. That's interesting. Oh. I'll have yeah. to. I'll have to go play my old CD of Score and see if I notice that. I don't think I've ever listened to it like on headphones like that. So. Oh. <laughs> awesome, awesome. No, that's really good, and I totally agree with what you said about Budokan, the way they extended. You, you know, like yeah. I, I love that jam and Beyond This Life, and then the intro to yeah. Hollow Years and everything. Just so good. Yeah, and 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 the solo in in Hollow Years is just amazing. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. All right, cool answer, man. Um, so, question number three, which is always my favorite question, uh, what is your what is your least favorite Dream Theater album? <coughs> uh, this one is uh, a little bit easier. And again, uh, how many songs would I choose? How many would I? Uh, Skip. Mm-hmm. So my least favorite overall is when Dream and Day Unite. And that's supposedly not a big surprise. No, definitely not. <laughs> no. Oh. <clears throat> and my my second least favorite is Falling into Infinity. Okay. For th- th- those are the two least favorites. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, there might be um, more uh, favorite songs on When Dream and Day Unite, but um, the production is not as good, and Charlie's voice is not as good. Absolutely, without question. And awesome. and, and uh, Falling into Infinity has uh, lines in the sand, so it has to go above When Dream and Day Unite. <laughs> <laughs> True that, true that. Um, yeah, I mean, that's very, you know, it seems like your top few albums and bottom few albums are very similar to mine. Um, yeah. So, probably the normal, I would say. One lighting. Mm-hmm. All right, man. Awesome answer. Um, and yeah, I totally agree. I mean, obviously, Charlie is no James Labrie, and obviously, you know, like the mix and the way everything was recorded, you could tell it was a much smaller budget and they didn't have as much time. And, you know, you know it's pretty evident. You know the time they put in. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so Olaf, question number four: Which member of Dream Theater is your favorite? And you could use past or present. Yeah. Um, no, no need to use uh, past members. <laughs> um, I, I think I have to go with uh, John Petrucci, but it's not because I play guitar myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was. Either John or Jordan. Okay. But I, I admire the amount of music John is 
able to remember. Yeah. I think that's uh, impressive because Jordan has everything on his little screen, and uh, even though he is also a, a fantastic musician, uh, I have to go go with uh, John Petrucci. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, Jordan definitely leaves himself a lot of notes, and you know, maybe yeah. you know, maybe even some music right now because obviously he can sight read, of course. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, John is, yeah, I mean, the memory, it's all memory and he has a lot of solos and long songs and, you know, yeah. um, so awesome. I totally agree. Uh, I, I saw an interview with him, um, on YouTube, um, around the DT12 base. And, uh, he, he said that, uh, he has a terrible, uh, long, long-term memory. So if they're bringing back old songs for a tour, then he has to listen to them and relearn them right. <laughs> all over again. <laughs> yeah, I saw that interview as well. That's that's totally true. Yeah. And uh, But he also said he has the best short-term memory. So when they're writing music, yeah. he can usually play the whole song, like, you know, right yeah. off the bat, which is cool. Yeah. <clears throat> awesome, man. Yeah, I mean, since you're a guitar player, I definitely want to talk a little bit more later about John Petrucci. Maybe talk a little bit of gear or... Stuff like that, but um, let's move along for now. Um, so, question number five: How did you discover Dream Theater? Or what was your first experience with them? Um, I it was in December two thousand and one, around the holidays. Uh, I was uh, with my family and um, my bro uh, my brother. He um, showed me live scenes from New York. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Not uh, not the DVD or VHS, but uh, he had uh, he had bought uh, the CD. Okay. So I think the first song I ever heard was "Home," which uh, was the song at the moment at uh, at that time. Um, but yeah, "Live Scenes" was introduced to me by my brother. Awesome, awesome, yeah. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, I think my first like full album was Scenes, but I, I actually agree with you because um, it's one thing to sound amazing on record, but then when you hear a live album or, or watch a live video and you see that they yeah. actually play that good, like for real, um, yeah. that's amazing. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so, awesome, man. Awesome. And then uh, my last question for you is um, what was your first live show of Dream Theater? That was uh, January 2012 on the uh, dramatic tour of events. And that was here in Norway, in Oslo. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I've only seen the um, Green Theater in Norway. I've seen them uh, four times. Wow. Okay. So um, you were a fan a long time before ever catching a show. Yes, I was. I was actually supposed to um, to uh, go to a show in 2007 at the Chaos in Motion, mm -hmm. but due to um, a work injury, uh, I wasn't able to go. Gotcha. I was uh, I was using uh, crutches because uh, I had a fracture in my foot and an open wound. Because of some dead tissues, so yeah, 
I was supposed to go, but I chose to stay at home. Gotcha. Okay. So, so sadly, I never got to see Portnoy live. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's quite the event. But I mean, yeah, Mike Mangini does a really good job, I think. So, that yeah. works. Oh, yes. I got some notes about that later as well. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you, sir. That is, you know, that is a six degrees question. I like to ask that, as I mentioned, so that everyone kind of has a starting point for you. Um, so, Olaf, right off the bat, something you said that kind of caught my ear, I wanted to mention. Um, you had mentioned that Octavarium was pretty high in your list if you were going to show Dream yeah. Theater to somebody. Let's talk a little yeah. bit about that, because uh, for me, Octavarium, it's not, you know, like, I don't think it's one of the worst albums by any stretch, but it's definitely toward the bottom of the list for me. So I'm curious, yeah. I'm curious about, you know, what, you know, what it is about Octavarium that you like so much. I like um, I, I like the whole um, the whole concept, um, the fact that they came up with using um, uh, using a, a, a different key for every song. I think that's brilliant, uh, and the way everything is uh, is uh, connected and how uh, how they managed to. For example, the, the the song Octavarium, it starts in in F minor, and then Medicaid is in A, I believe, and Full Circle is in E, and somehow they always uh, can get back to a previous key. I think that's amazing. Yeah. Okay, I mean, that's a good answer, definitely. What did you think about the mix? Because I think that's what kind of turns me off about the album. Yeah, yeah that's. Uh, something I didn't notice until I heard your review of the album. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but 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 now that I've heard you say it, then I can hear it. Okay. And, and especially you, I think you mentioned the the guitar solo in Panic Attack as the worst makes. Yeah, like you could tell it's such an amazing solo. It's just so hard to hear it. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but. Okay. Awesome, man. Um, so, Olaf, um, so you had mentioned being a guitar player, and I know in one of your emails to me, you had said that you were in a band uh, once upon a time, and you guys made it like a record yeah. and stuff. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Was it like a progressive band, or like what kind of music were you guys doing? No, it was not a uh, progressive, uh, progressive band. Um, we were playing... Uh, Playing, we were playing a lot of Metallica songs. Okay. Um, and uh, we slowly we um, we started to write our own material, uh, which was a mix of Metallica and Guns N' Roses and Volbeats. Awesome. So it's. It's not very technical, but uh, I think we wrote some good songs. I wrote some good songs. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Now, is is, um, is any of that available online anywhere? If anybody has any interest yeah. in going to check it out? Yes. You, it's there, there are three songs on uh, YouTube. And uh, the band name is A Dimension. And uh, A is spelled A-Y-E. 
So a dimension. Yeah. Okay. So and, this, and, and the subtitles are pi, as in 3.14, 7, <laughs> uh, and uh, Call of the Wild. Okay. So, yeah. So, uh, if anybody has any interest in checking out Olaf's music, go uh, A Dimension on, on, on YouTube, you said, right? Yeah. And then look up those three songs. Awesome, man. I definitely will be going to listen because I like Metallica, obviously, and I like you know Guns N' Roses, so... I think yeah. uh, I think that should be pretty interesting. Cool. Yeah. Um, now, also, I, um, speaking of Metallica, I know you mentioned that the Metallica uh, podcast or or the review of Master yeah. of Puppets, I should say, um, yeah. that DT World posted, which is also based out of Norway, right? Kim Arthur. I don't know if you know him, but he's a cool dude. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So. Um, I know you're a huge Metallica fan. Um, um, do you have any correlation you think between Metallica and, and Dream Theater? Mm. I gotta say, for me, I think like maybe not Kirk Hammett so much, but I think James Hetfield is a huge influence on John Petrucci in the way that he writes riffs. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, yeah, uh, he has a lot of uh, these. Uh, what do you call it? Chugging riffs. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Um, yeah. I think I think Metallica has influenced a lot of bands, not just Dream Theater. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, I mean that's that's absolutely. I mean, that's almost impossible to uh, deny, right? <laughs> but uh, speaking of them, I, I've I've always uh, considered uh, Metallica my number number one and Dream Theater my number two favorite band. But during the last uh, year, I've changed and said Dream Theater is number one now. And the, the reason is the live shows. Because I think uh, with Dream Theater, you never know what they're going to play. Yeah. And, and even if they have a fixed uh, set list for an entire tour, then there's a good chance that this is not the songs they played the last time you saw them. Right. No, you're absolutely right. Because, like, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think Metallica mix up their set list a little bit, but I mean, you're right. I mean, you know, you know, if you go to a Metallica show, you're going to hear Master Puppets and One and Enter Sandman and Sad But True. Like there's, you know, like half the set is like has to be played. So it leaves yeah. less like opportunity for new stuff. So I totally agree with yeah. that. Um, I've, I've, I've found some <laughs> statistics uh, for Dream Theater, which I think is um, important to this question because... Uh, I've seen them four times, but if we omit the astonishing, uh, which uh, I knew was going to be an entire album, mm -hmm. um, then for the for the other three shows, they've played a total of forty-five songs for three concerts, wow. uh, and um, of those uh, forty-five different songs, there's only one song that was played as all uh, three shows 
and three songs were played two times. So what was the so song that, that was played all three shows? That was uh, Breaking All Illusions. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. I didn't realize uh, they were doing that on the uh, DT12 tour. Um, obviously, uh, the first show was a dramatic tour of events, so it, it had to be there, right? right? right. And, and they, they also had it for, um, for a DT12 tour. And uh, uh, now the last time was uh, Images and Words and Beyond. Uh, it was also on the set there. I don't think I'm going to get to see that, so I'm definitely jealous for that one. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're not coming anywhere near Florida, and I don't think I have time to uh, take a trip. But um, <clears throat> I mean, I mean, obviously, Images and Words has some amazing songs. But the one thing I'm more like I interested in seeing more than anything else is a change of seasons in its entirety. I think that would just be uh, killer. You know I, think, <laughs> I, I think that was uh, that was very awesome to see that song and. Uh, I uh, I uh, found my uh, cell phone and uh, opened the video camera in good time to catch uh, Jordan's right time. Oh, okay, awesome. <laughs> I, I think I think that little piece is uh, very awesome. Yeah, that little cool section in the middle, absolutely. Yeah, that, that is cool. And, and also, uh, speaking of uh, Jordan, I also think that he does a little right time in um, the Dark Eternal Nights, which I also think uh, fits very well. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely in that one. Um, I think the most famous ragtime to me is in the Dance of Eternity. Um, yeah. I, I love that one. <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? yeah. So. <laughs> me too. But I, but I think in in the Dance of Eternity, it it's maybe not such big a surprise. Yeah, I don't know. The first time I heard Dance of Eternity, obviously, like you know, like it's pretty heavy. Up to that point, and then for it to just kind of break into that was pretty unique to me. Um, but yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, that song has so many twists and turns that probably nothing is really a surprise. So I agree with you there. Uh, um, the darker turn light has has a darker vibe, so I think uh, it, it's more of a surprise in that song. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Hey, Olaf, um, I did have one question for you. I remember on an email you sent me when we were first talking, um, you had mentioned that because of the podcast, um, you, uh, you might have changed your mind about what your favorite album was. Yeah. Um, so what was it before? It, uh, it was Octavarium. Okay. And then you changed it to Train of Thought? Yeah, gotcha. I, I, because I I, um, I I discovered that uh, th there were um, different ways of uh, considering uh, a favorite album. Uh, so, yeah, that made me end up with the train of thought as my favorite. Awesome, awesome. I mean, Train of Thought, I think, is my second or third favorite, something like that. I mean, I love that album. That's, yeah. you know, because no, I'm, I mean, I'm the same like you. Like, like you know, like at my core, I'm a metal kid. You know what I mean? So, yeah. you know, the heavier, the better for me. So that's why I love yeah. Train of Thought. <laughs> uh, 
speaking of heavy and uh, did you uh, did you read this about uh, John Petrucci? He's uh, considering uh, write, started writing songs with an eight-string guitar. I did see that. Um, I don't know when it's going to happen because he did say it kind of has to line up where an eight-string comes out right as he's writing an album, right? Um, but. I mean, on one hand, it pisses me off. That just means that's another Petrucci uh, guitar I need to buy. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, I mean, I would definitely be interested to see what, you know, because, I mean, not to talk bad about eight-string guitars, but a lot of people that play them, you know, and there's some exceptions like Animal Leaders and stuff like that, but a lot of people just chug on that really low string and that's kind of it, you know what I mean? So I'd be very curious to see what someone with Petrucci skill you know, um, how they would utilize that. Because um, that's kind of what got me into seven string. I mean, you know, you know, a Petrucci plays a seven string a lot differently than most people who play seven strings. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I would definitely be very interested to see what he does. Now, what does that mean for John Myung? Is he going to go to a seven string bass? I mean, <laughs> it's hard. Probably. <laughs> It's hard. it's hard. He'll probably just sit that song out. Like there's a, you know, there's enough low notes. I'm not even gonna play on this song. But Jeremy uh, Young's bass is gonna end up with uh, strings as as thick as a rope. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I don't. I mean, I'm curious. I don't know. I don't know what to think. I mean, it's something they always surprise you, and they never write what you think they're gonna write. So. Um, I, I, you know, I'd be very curious to think. Yeah, yeah. but um, I don't think um, the difference will be. Of course, it will be very heavy, but yeah. um, a song like Illumination Theory is written with a down tuned seven string. It's an A, yeah, and an eight string is, I believe, it's F sharp. Yeah. So it's not that it's not that big a difference. I, don't I know. think it's hard to. See. I, I mean, I mean, sometimes just uh, you know, sometimes like go. I don't know. I kind of agree. Um, I was never huge into down tuning just because I don't like my strings floppy. So I, you know, like like for me, I'd rather play a seven string than down tune my six string to like C or B. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> so that's always been my thing. But um, speaking of gear, I mean, you know, I know you're a guitar player. Have you tried or do you own any Petrucci gear, like the Music Man's or maybe like the Mesa or, you know, no. anything like that? No. no. I don't. Um, the closest I can relate to Petrucci is my seven string, which is Ibanez. Mm. Cool. I mean, Ibanez is... Uh, um, is it like a regular Ibanez or like a Steve Vai universe or like what do you got? No, it's just uh, it's just a regular uh, seven string. Mm -hmm. It's it's one I actually bought because I have um, I have an ESP which was at the workshop, and I needed a guitar with uh, twenty four frets for a concert we were doing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> So uh, I I just bought the seven string to have a, a twenty four fret guitar. <laughs> awesome, awesome. <laughs> but uh, I've never regretted. 
I don't regret it either, honestly. I love my seven string. I barely ever touch my six strings anymore, to be honest. I'm almost well, like exclusively seven like these days. Um, I don't know why. I just got comfortable with that like slightly wider neck, I guess, you know. <laughs> but um, how about amps? Like what are you doing for amps these days? I have um, uh, a Peewee uh, Velvet King 100 watts and uh, a f uh, 4 by 12 cabinet cool. for live. For live. Uh, and then I have a, a, a 30 watt combo just for practicing at home. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've had that problem too where your 100 watt tube amp is uh, ripping the paint off the walls at home, you know what I mean? <laughs> so I definitely got that. Cool, man. I used to have a uh, PV Valve King back in the day too. I like that amp. Yeah, and, and um, <clears throat> I always use, um, I'm just using my clean candle and then I have uh, this uh, Boss G uh, GT10 pedal board. Mm -hmm. I like, uh, I, I, I'm not such a huge fan of having uh, 35 different pedals on stage. Uh, and uh, I, I like have all settings in in one button. Yeah. I'm the same way now. I mean, I used to be a pedal junkie. I used to have like 30 pedals. But now I just have an Axe effects, and it kind of does everything I need in one, you know, in one box. So I'm the same way. Cool, man. That's awesome. I can't wait to go check out your music after we're done here. I'm very, I'm very curious to hear this. <laughs> uh, so let me ask you, um, I know you kind of discovered the podcast because of the Master Puppets. Um, what did you think about Dream Theater uh, performing Master Puppets? Like, do you think they did pretty good or sh should you not touch an album like that? What do you think? I think it's, uh, I think it's uh, very cool to to um, I think it's a way of of uh, showing respect for another band, for uh, yeah. I, I, so I, I think they did a, a good job, but mm -hmm. um, I think also it's obvious that the, there were mostly just the four guys who liked this album. Yeah. The, the, uh, I'm not. Uh, it's um, it's kind of obvious that uh, Jordan wasn't such a huge uh, metal fan. Oh, Jordan. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Um, you know, like he. I think I mentioned that in my review. Like he felt a little out of place. I think. Yeah, and there were some strange uh, keyboard solos and. Um, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Cool, man. Cool. Um, now, um, I know you just also discovered the podcast seeing it on DT World. Um, have you been a member of that Facebook page for a while? Because I love them. I think they do a great job of, uh, you know, like uh, supporting Dream Theater and, and have, you know, just being a place for fans to kind of hang out and talk and argue about Mike Portnoy. And, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I. I I don't remember uh, how long I've been following them, but uh, it's been a while. Yeah, cool. Cool. Awesome, man. Now, Olaf, um, I know you had some notes and some things that you wanted to bring up. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, let's see. Yeah. Um, I have noted two songs which um, has uh, something interesting in them. Um, it's Health Kitchen and This Dying Soul. Okay. Um, I'm not gonna compare them or anything, but Dream Theater has this ability to play in odd time and then play a 4-4 and make that sound like odd time. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? <laughs> Absolutely, I do. Yeah. <laughs> um, so... I mean, yeah. why Hell's Kitchen and This Dying Soul? You'd think those songs are good examples of that? Um, it's, it's in Hell's Kitchen as a part of, um, part of um, the ending, which they also use in the instrumentally. Mm -hmm. Because that... that um, um, that is mainly in 12-8, uh, which, but they play it in four, which means you're counting the, the dotted quarters. And when they throw in a 4-4, four, four, then it sounds like a rushed uh, bar. Yeah. And then, and then back to 12-8 immediately. Yeah. Um, and also, um, in this dying soul, it's um, in in the yeah. I think it's in the middle of the song where, where James, right before James is singing this. Um, now that you can see what you've done, okay. Uh, it they play mainly in six and, and in five, and then at the end there's a four which. Uh, it sounds like a shortened uh, bar. Right. That's well, I think I think they are masters of uh, yeah making four four sound like one time. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, it, it's kind of interesting what you just said, isn't it? Where like because you play a few meters with some odd times six and five, mm -hmm. when you go to yeah. the four, it still feels odd just because. Yeah. Like, it's constantly changing anyway, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. And I love that. I mean, you know, I think their manipulation of time signatures is one of the things that makes them, like, very unique, like, how smoothly they can do that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think the, the best example is The Dance of Eternity. Of course, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's, it's 108 changes during the whole song. <laughs> At least, <laughs> at least. And like, um, I mean, that one is an obvious, like almost every riff is in some weird time signature. But, uh, you know, but I mean, they do it in almost every song. Like, I don't think there is a song where they're, in, you know, straight 4-4 four, four the entire time. No. I don't, I like, don't think so either. It's just so intertwined with their yeah. way of writing. But they make it seem so smooth. Like, even somebody who's not a musician, like, you know, it might feel strange, but it never feels wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> which, yeah. Is, yeah. which is absolutely beautiful, man. I love that. Yeah. Like in, um, 
like uh, for example in uh, SIM, um, then the first the first verse is four four all the way through. But then the second verse, then they uh, throw in uh, two uh, seven eights, but you can't hear it. <laughs> right. You have to listen very carefully to notice. Yeah. Sometimes they'll make an odd time signature just for a couple of seconds, just like some, you know, yeah. a quick weird fill, and then they're right back in the 4-4 again. But they do it just so beautifully. I mean, I love the way they write. I mean, I wish I could hang out in the studio like while they were kind of working all this stuff out, you know what I mean? Because uh. <laughs> it's, just, it's just amazing. But awesome, man. Any other notes uh, that you wanted to bring up? Yeah, I also have a note uh, about the Ministry of Lost, Lost uh, Souls. Okay. The uh, outro solo. Mm -hmm. uh, it wasn't until I tried to play it um, that I realized that it actually modulates. Like the guitar solo modulates? Yeah, mm -hmm. it does. Um, he, he, he plays and it modulates by a third, and it's, it's so well hidden that it's almost impossible to hear. Um, I, I believe the, the chord progression is uh, 17 uh, bars, and, uh, and then it modulates by a third, and it does so two times. So it goes from A minor to C minor and then to E flat minor. Hmm. I never, I don't think I've ever noticed that either. I've definitely oh. never tried to play the solo. Um, I think it's, I think it's a beautiful solo and uh, yeah. it's my favorite, it's my favorite song off of the, the album. Of uh, Systematic Chaos? Yeah. yeah. I have to go back and listen. That's interesting. I, I, and I'm usually pretty good at picking up on key changes. <laughs> I, I I guess I just wasn't paying attention. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I can I, I, if you have the time, then I can explain why you it's uh, so impossible to hear. Mm. Uh, it's because, uh, as I said, the first time it modulates from A minor to uh, C minor, but the last chord in the progression for the A minor is G augmented. And a G augmented is the notes G, B, and D sharp. Okay. And those three um, notes are almost a C minor. You just have to raise the B to a C, and then you have a C minor. So you have C, um, G, and uh, yeah, E flat, and D sharp is the same notes. So it's it's just that one note that's raised uh, half that that uh, does the modulation, and I think that's uh, why it's uh, so well hidden. Gotcha. So for the non-music people who listen, basically what you're saying is they change key by just moving one note in the, in the chord that uh, actually makes it a different chord, even though it's very similar yeah. to the original. So just for yeah. the people. You know, non-musicians yeah. mostly understand. So, of, of, of those uh, three notes, the, the two of them are similar, and the third one is raised by a half step. Right, right. 
That's, I mean, that's another thing that not many people uh, pull off very well, but that Dream Theater seems to uh, be able to sneak in uh, key changes very fluidly without it being overly obvious, you know, that something shifted, you know, drastically. So um, definitely, Matt, you know, and I think a lot of that maybe, you know, maybe you have an opinion on this, but I think a lot of that comes from Jordan. I think his understanding of theory yeah. is just so huge. He, that yeah. he makes those things happen very easily. I think so too. Yeah. Um, I've, I've seen a video of Jordan uh, from, uh, it's on YouTube. Uh, it's from this event called uh, NAM 2016. Mm -hmm. um, it's a 23-minute uh, video on YouTube where he demonstrates uh, some of his uh, keyboard patches and he just makes up stuff on the spot. Yeah. And uh, different uh, genres, and and so it's quite amazing to um, to watch. Absolutely, the guy's a beast, man. I mean, yeah. um, I don't know if but, you. But I'm sorry. Go ahead. I've heard I've heard that he has uh, absolute pitch, and that's supposedly what what does it. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, John has said many times in interviews that he just plays something and Jordan can harmonize like it perfectly, like first try. Yeah. <laughs> so must be nice to have skills like that. I can't do that. That's for sure. Um, no, Jordan, I mean, not only is he an amazing musician, but I don't know if you watched the video on YouTube of me interviewing him, uh, but the guy is just super nice, genuine. And um, he even played a little, you know, like, like improv for me on his um, yeah. iPad. And it was just amazing to watch this man's fingers, like, you know, not even a foot away from me. I mean, it's just untouchable. Like, the dude is killing. <laughs> I was. I, I, is, is, is this uh, the same interview as you released as a podcast? Yes. Yeah. So, this, yeah. Yeah, so it's also a video. Or... Yeah. It's also a video on yeah. YouTube. Um, it's the exact yeah. same thing, but you can actually watch him. You know, doing yeah. everything, and it's just awesome. Cool. So, I'll, uh, I'll go and watch it uh, afterwards. Yeah. Jordan really blew me away that day. Like, I was expecting him to be awesome because I love Dream Theater, but, I mean, what a genuinely, like, really nice guy. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And I was really happy. I mean, that's probably... I mean, I don't know. Like, interviewing Jordan was probably one of the highlights of my life, to be honest. <laughs> so, um, yeah. But, yeah, man. What? Yeah, one last thing, and that is uh, the newest member, Mike Madini. Yeah. I've noticed uh, some cool uh, things about him, too. Uh, but I don't know, uh, could I, um, if I played an MP3, would you be able to hear it, or could you uh, add it afterwards? So I, have, I have two examples of uh, music. Uh, that needs to be heard, I think, too. Yeah. Well, why don't we do this? Um, why don't you play it for me now so I can hear it? And if you want to email me the MP3s, I'll, I'll splice them in for the actual listeners to uh, hear so they know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, I just have to... Uh, it will probably... It, the, the, the first example is um, from the enemy inside. Okay. 
Well, I think he has uh, this cool. Uh, I don't know if it's a crash or a China or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got it now. It's uh, it starts at um, about 26 seconds into the song, and I, I think it's uh, China that has uh, that has a special rhythm. I'll play it now. Get that. Yeah, it was super loud. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> but yeah, no, I got the part that you were playing. You know, and yeah. I'll, I'll edit the. Um, obviously, I have that song, so I will edit like a clean version for everyone to hear. Yeah. I, I, I think you did that with some other podcasts as well. I yeah. Think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so no problem. There. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was those two keyboard guys who had their favorite solos. Yes, yeah, that was a really yeah. cool episode. I enjoyed that one. But yeah, so I'll do the same thing for this. But um, I did want to mention, from my memory or from what I just heard, um, I don't think it's a crash or a china. I think it's actually those stack symbols, like the ones okay. that Mike made, like the little like Mike Portnoy stacks, where he puts like a small china like on top of a splash, and you get that very. You know, percussive sound. Um, I think yeah. that's actually what's making that sound is, you know, those stacks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I have the second example now. It's um, it's from the gift of music. Okay. And it starts at uh, two minutes and fifty four seconds, and it's the it's the kick drum. It's just amazing. Okay. Yeah. Play it. I mean, how do you count that? <laughs> yeah, that's um, yeah, <laughs> uh, that is some phenomenal playing. Um, I, you know, my regret about the astonishing is that like the, you know, the drums aren't mixed a little bit clearer. Like the snare and the kick is very clear, but watching them play the astonishing live, like you see the amount of crazy cymbal work he's got going on, and like you, yeah. you know, like like to me that doesn't come across very clearly on the album itself, um, which is a shame because, I mean, there's some phenomenal drumming. But, yeah, as far as that part is concerned, I mean, that kick is just unreal, like the patterns that he's pulling out. Like, <laughs> he's, he's just a phenomenal drummer. I mean, Mike Pornoy is too. Like, I think, the you know, instead of people arguing over which one's better constantly online, I think the better thing is to just appreciate the fact that Dream Theater was able to find during their career, you know, these two just absolute monster drummers that can play that type of music because that is not easy. You know what I mean? It's definitely not. <laughs> no, it's not. That was really great, man. Yeah, and I'll uh, I'll splice those in as I mentioned so that the audience gets a good, you know, hearing yeah. for what we were saying. Because um, you almost blew me away. I was like, ah. <laughs> but that's okay. Um, 
That's awesome, dude. I appreciate you uh, taking the time to point those two sections out because I think they're uh, really good, you know, great examples of how amazing Mike Mangini really is. Uh, Any other notes uh, that you had that you'd like to bring up? Um, yeah. I think I see a certain pattern in the writing when they write a concept album. Mm-hmm. Uh, this would, um, of course, omit uh, Octavarium, but the three other three um, concepts they have, uh, they have three uh, certain songs. The spirit carries on, about to crash, uh, reprise, okay. and our new world. Okay. I, I think there's a certain uh, repetitive. Adam in those songs, uh, with the exception of the tempo in the Spirit Carries On, which is a very uh, ballady song. Then they have this, they they always seem that the second to last song of the album is a very optimistic song, uh, up-tempo, major major key, optimistic and happy lyrics yeah well i mean um i mean i don't know if this is their thought process but for me i compare a concept album almost to like a movie um so those three songs that you just named would basically be the part of a movie where it kind of climaxes and gets like resolved and like if there's a problem like that's the point in a movie where it would get solved um so that's the way that's the way I see it kind of written, is that's almost like that section. Um, yeah. No, there's certain, you know, there's certain concept albums that don't do that. Like, I don't think, yeah. you know, I don't think The Wall by Pink Floyd um, ever has that, like, happy section where all the problems get solved. I think it stays pretty dark the whole time, you know? But, yeah. but um, in Dream Theater's case, I mean, I think that's kind of what they're going for with those songs is, is, is you know... Just the resolution of the story, basically. Yeah. But, I mean, they also, you know, I'm kind of glad you brought up patterns and concept albums because there's a lot of patterns you see. Like, um, you know, there's always, like, an overture of some sort. Um, The Astonishing actually has two, one for each kind of, like, half of the album. Yeah, but but, but, um, aren't there, um, in in 2285, in fact, aren't there any... Uh, under a few snippets from the the, the, the first act, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. Yeah, there, just, yeah uh, there is, no, there is some snippets of the first act, as well as um, the first overture has some snippets from the second act as well. So I, I, I you know, I don't think they were written. I think that they just wanted two overtures, one for each disc. I don't think it's necessarily like this one represents half one. And this one represents half two. I think it's all kind of blended together. Uh, but they also, uh, they also mentioned. Um, I saw some videos of uh, uh, John and Jordan explaining uh, how they wrote uh, the astonishing. Yeah. And uh, is there something that there's uh, a musical theme to each character? Right. So of of course uh, some of the themes would. Uh, would appear in both the acts. 
Yeah, definitely. And um, I really like that idea of having a theme for each character that's very reminiscent of like Star Wars. If you ever listen to like a Star Wars soundtrack, um, li- you know, literally almost every character has like a theme song that is oh. manipulated throughout the movie. So I think that's kind of a really cool idea. I like that they did that. Uh, yeah. the, the closest I've been to listening to Star Wars uh, is <laughs> um, a Metallica show where Kirk Hammett, he, he played some Star Wars uh, in his jam. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I'll have to go YouTube uh, that. That sounds awesome. <laughs> Yeah. But, um, I mean, as far as overtures, to me, nothing beats uh, the one-off scenes from a memory. I love that overture. I think it's just like a masterpiece of music. But, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just so good. But, yeah. Um, hey, um, since we were talking about Mangini, I did have one question for you. Um, do you think, like, his influence and his writing style will start to come out more now that The Astonishing is over? Or do you kind of see Mike Mangini as always kind of being like just the drummer and not necessarily like, you know, you know, so much of a writer of the music? Um, I think um, I think maybe he will um, uh, suggest uh, not necessarily music, but maybe rhythm patterns. Mm-hmm. Because there, there are examples of him following the music in in the songs they already have recorded. So uh, yeah, maybe something like that. So you don't think he's really gonna ever be like like a main songwriter kind of guy? Like 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 a, you don't see that role for him? I don't. I don't know. I think maybe if. I I don't know if he's interested in in that because they they've already made DT12 with which uh, must be considered must be considered a, a regular album because mm-hmm. that was his second right so um, and and uh, did, did wasn't it John Petrucci who wrote all the lyrics except for Surrender to Reason, which was my own. I believe so, yeah. Yeah. I believe so. Um, okay. Because, I mean, I was just thinking, like, you know, when Mike Mangini joined, um, uh, you know, Dramatic Turn of Events was basically written, right? He just had to go add the parts. Yeah. And then, obviously, for yeah. The Astonishing, it's pretty well documented that John and Jordan, like, kind of wrote everything, you know, just yeah. the two of them. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I, I'm just curious to see how, you know, obviously Mike Portner was such a, a prominent member of the band. He was a producer. He was a songwriter. He was, you know, like he, he had a lot to do with the live shows and everything else. I'm just curious to see, you know, if you had an opinion on how Mike Mangini will eventually grow into his comfortable role or if you think his role will just strictly be like I'm the drummer and that's it. Like I don't want to be a writer. I don't want to have, you know much other decision-making going on. Uh, I haven't uh, I haven't thought about him in, in that way. Mm-hmm. But uh, I guess they've only um, released uh, three albums with him uh, as the drummer. And if I remember correctly, then um, Vacant 
was the first song with lyrics from James Liberty. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I guess I really so haven't put it, much thought into it, it either. It, <laughs> it, 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 it might happen someday, but uh, I don't know. I haven't thought that much about it. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough, man. Um, well, Olaf, I mean, that's all the questions I have for you today. I really appreciate you coming on. Um, yeah. Any final thoughts or anything you'd like to let the listeners know uh, before we uh, head out? Um, no. I just keep keep calm and listen to Dream Theater. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is great advice. Sir. I appreciate that. <laughs> Uh, all right, everybody. Well, keep calm, Nielsen Dream Theater. I don't think any uh, wiser words have ever been spoken. Um, <laughs> so we will sign off for now. And then uh, if any of you have any questions or anything for Olaf, I'm sure you could find him on Facebook and yes. uh, ask away. Are you a member of the Dream Theater Radio uh, Facebook page now? Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, hit up Olaf with your questions. and uh, Let's go into that. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you. All right. So once again, that was Olaf Anderson from Norway. Thank you so much, Olaf, for coming on the show and giving us some great insight. I uh, particularly enjoyed you picking out some really cool sections of Mike Mangini's playing. And I definitely liked that conversation piece on like the modulation and changing keys like that. So um, I think that's very useful um, information, especially for a lot of our less musical fans but anyway yeah thank you so much all off again um so moving forward i just wanted to answer uh last time's trivia question which was actually off uh budokan part one um the question was um who was the director of the budokan dvd and that's uh, obviously mike portnoy i don't think anybody actually responded though so i get the points um there won't be trivia anymore. I find that not enough people are really participating or engaging, and it's kind of the same, like two or three names over and over again. So it's become kind of redundant and pointless. So we're going to be skipping trivia from now on, just so you guys know. Um, but yeah, but if there's any other segments that anybody thinks should be on the show or things that you guys would be more interested in participating participating on on a more consistent basis, let me know, and I'm definitely willing to do that. All right, guys, so that's it for me here. Um, in the meantime, please go on our Facebook page if you're not already and definitely uh, share the podcast with your friends and family who like Dream Theater. Uh, if you could please go on iTunes and give us a five-star review, that really helps us to uh, rank a little bit higher and get to more fans. So I appreciate it if you could take a minute and do that. All right, guys, well, thank you so much. Until next time, we'll see you. Oh,